we want to be faithful and we desire to have your spirit speak with us and to us and in us, through us today, Lord. Cause us to see and know that we have been called by you to deliver salvation to a generation that um, is before us, whom we are called to serve. And so I pray, Lord, as your word and still in our mind and in our hearts, may we become faithful as servants to the things, the mysteries that you have ordained for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Oracle of God. Let's turn with me to Luke chapter 9. And um, he took Peter, John, and James with him. And uh, in verse 29, as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered. His raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. Think about this for a little bit. He took three of his disciples up a mountain board and he transfigured before them and they were sleeping. You know, all this happened. And then when they woke up, it was Jesus and the two men that Israelites revered. Elias, which is Elijah, and Moses, the, the two greatest figure in the history of the Israelites. The three um, characters uh, speaking with each other and the three men, Peter, James, and John, they were sleeping. And it came to pass that they departed from him. Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. Not knowing what he said. So could be that he's still sleep talking at this point. Why he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. Now, this is also interesting. That this cloud was not overhead. This cloud was in front of them, that they enter into this cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone and they kept it closed and told no man. So in this story, we know that God does speak and he does speak audibly in the time of Jesus. So these men heard. And then after the time of Jesus, we also are told that Jesus spoke audibly. Um, to a certain individual. And of course, Paul on the road to Damascus, he heard the voice coming from heaven. People around him heard the voice but seen no man. So we do know that God speaks in an audible voice. The divine manifestation of God can be seen throughout the scripture. Jesus became this embodiment of God's voice. And we last week we talked about Jesus was the word of God. And this is how we, when we encounter Jesus, when we come into the place where he becomes manifested in us and through us, we will hear God's voice. And that's what it means to be the oracle of God. Now, Jesus was this embodiment of God's voice. There's two parts to a voice. When you think about a writer and a writer talking about finding the voice, God's voice is what gives us utterance, is what we need to have the voice of God in us so that when we speak, we give shape and we give character, we give language we give the audible voice to the inner working of god's voice and jesus christ is god's only mean for man to encounter divine presence without jesus there his transfiguration then the voice isn't there when paul on the road to damascus it was jesus's voice his presence well his divine presence was with 
Paul, even though he didn't see, he only heard this voice coming from heaven. So Jesus is the only means in which God will speak through us today. I don't believe that we will see this cloud ever again. Even if we go back to Mount Tabor and go out to that place, we won't see, just like Moses, when he go back to that place where the burning bush was, he won't see that burning bush nor hear the voice of God. Jesus Christ now is the only way for us to hear the voice of God. And we are lost without God's voice because God's voice tells us what we need to do and where we need to go next and what is the will of God. The word of God made flesh which was Jesus Christ, and while he was on the earth for those 33 years, he showed us what God's intention was. He communicated to us in the language at the time was Aramaic, in a voice, in a form, in a physical flesh that men at the time can see and behold God's voice in the flesh. When the time of Jesus Christ was over, they now have a mandate of transmitting that voice, what they have seen, what they have heard, what they've been taught faithfully. And Peter emphasizes faithfully throughout the generation. They did not alter it. They did not embellish it in any ways. They transmit it faithfully. And that's why in the Synoptic Gospel, there are discrepancies. Authors who are trying to take a narrative and come together and said, okay, why don't you write about this, and I'll write about this, and then I'll write about this, and make sure that there is a literal harmony amongst the Synoptic Gospel. We see that they were entrusted with recounting exactly what they have seen. Now, sometimes we see some discrepancies in these Synoptic Gospel, but they are there not because we see discrepancies and therefore they must be contradictory to each other. It's just because we don't understand. And when you look at something, it depends on where you look at. If you look at something from top down, you will see a different perspective. You look at from sideways, you see a different perspective. If you're here and you take a telescope and you point it out in space, for example, and you look at the M83 constellation, it is situated in such a way that the plane of that galaxy is perpendicular to us until we can see the whole thing. Now, if the Earth is situated in a different plane, we look at it and instead of perpendicular, let's say it's horizontal parallel to us, we wouldn't have been able to see it, and we conclude it's not there. Perspectively speaking, something can appear or it, it's not there. It depends on where you are standing and what you're looking at. The gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ, had many witnesses. And because the witnesses, they saw the same thing but in different perspective, and their reporting might be in some way have some discrepancies, but it doesn't mean that they're not looking and not reporting faithfully what they see. The account of the reality depends on the perspective of the reporter, where they're standing. Jesus Christ being the oracle of God, he embodied what God's will and his meaning and his thoughts convey in a way that we can understand. In those days, it was in Aramaic. People heard him, they understood him, and they faithfully transmitted. And over time, that language became the gospel, and the New Testament was written in Greek. Here in the U.S., we read them in English. The mode or the language of God's voice changes, but the voice of God has not changed. It is still it is the voice that Jesus Christ. So when we read the account in the New Testament, we read what Jesus spoke in different languages because it's been translated. Our ability to hear God's voice dependent on the Holy Spirit working in us. We can read the translation of what Jesus said, but until the Holy Spirit in us, working in us, we won't be able to understand because the Word of God is spiritual. It is not carnal. And we need the Spirit of God to interpret the spiritual things. 
So if we try to read this Bible as a purely literal text, we won't be able to understand because it's a spiritual, it has a spiritual significance and meaning. As we come toward Christ, that voice that we hear, we read and the Holy Spirit begins to interpret the Word of God, becomes clearer and more familiar. And the Word of God will increase our faith and that will give us the revelation of what God wants us to understand. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 7 says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. It is the Spirit that speaks through the words that we read here. Our eyes and our thoughts can be meditating on the word, the word on this page, but it is the Spirit that speaks through the word into our heart to give meaning. And he said this, To him that overcometh. What are we overcoming when we hear the Spirit speaks to us? We are overcoming our own mind, our own preconceived ideas. We are overcoming our physical limitation, our own mental understanding of the word, what we are saying, what we are reading and trying to interpret here. If we overcome that and allow the Holy Spirit to speak with us by faith, then this is what he said, To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of life. Now, this is the mentioning of this tree of life that was in the Garden of Eden. And this tree of life was there. Adam and Eve had access to it. But when they got kicked out of Eden, they no longer have access to the tree of life. He's saying that if we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, overcoming our own mind, ideas, our own interpretation of what the scripture means, then he will give us fruit from this tree of life. We would take, partake from this tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. He's, again, he is confirming that this tree of life is in the paradise of God, and Jesus has access to it, and he gives it to whom the Holy Spirit is speaking to. The word leads those who hear toward the tree of life. So when we hear the Holy Spirit, what he's doing is he's calling us, and we're responding to this voice, and we're coming closer to the tree of life in the paradise of God. Then that tree of life gives us eternal life. That's our happiness. That's our joy. Let's begin with the Shekinah glory, God's presence. Shekinah glory, again, is the presence of God manifest in a physical form that we can see. That's what Shekinah glory is. In the Jewish tradition, where two rabbis come together and discuss the Torah, their discussion of the Torah, God appeared or God pre presents himself in that discussion, and that's called the Shekinah glory. It's no longer a visible sign, whereas in the tabernacle of Moses, on the Ark of the Covenant, when the high priest went into the most holy place and God answers the prayer and he shows up between the cherubim, that is the Shekinah glory. In the Jewish tradition, in the 200 and 300 AD, uh, the Shekinah glory is no longer a physical manifestation of God's presence anymore. It's, it's now visible in the auditory form, and that is the voice of God is where the, uh, the Shekinah glory, and the voice of God comes in when we discuss his word, which is the Torah for the Jews, and for us, it is the whole Bible for us. When we discuss Jesus, which is manifested in the entire Bible, when we talk about Jesus, when we discuss about him, then God's Shekinah glory appears or presents, is present in our midst. The presence of God is the closest that we will ever get to God, meaning we never see the essence of God. Now, there's debate among theologians and philosophers whether or not in our glorified form, we will be able to see the glory of God. Some says that we will never be able to see the glory of God, the beatific vision. 
But some says that we will, when we get a new body, we'll see this glory, this essence of God's glory. I will leave that to you. I'll just say, let's get there and see if we can. We hope that we'll be able to see God's essence, God's glory. But the closest we can ever get to in this life is in the story when Peter, James, and John saw Jesus Christ in a glorified state. And that is the closest thing that we can ever get to seeing the beatific vision. The glory of God, when he shows up, it is mercy, it is love, it is forgiveness. When he shows up and meets with us, he, we have life in, in this divine communion. When we come into the glory of God and we, when we encounter the glory of God, we have life. That's where life is given to us. Let's uh, take the journey through time and see how this glory is presented to humanity, first to the Jews and then to all men through time. Throughout the biblical history, God has prepared a place that he meet with us, and that place is the temple. And in the temple, things have to be done a certain way, sacrifices have to be made a certain way, the orientation of the temple has to be set a certain way. So God has a certain ordinance, the place where he would present himself to be of the fashion of the form that he has ordained, to give us a sense of who God is. He wants his worship to be in a form that he has ordained, not in the way that we think that God should be worshiped this way. Very much unlike the way that I would say a lot of Christians thought about how to worship God is today. We think that because we can come up with some kind of new invention, then God would be inspired by our inspiration to worship Him and then He shows up. But throughout the biblical record, we see that God presents Himself in ways that He had preordained. This is the way that you're supposed to set the temple up and then I'll show up if you do it correctly. So God has a certain place that he will show up. He has certain methods in which that this place has to be set up so that he will show up and visit his people. First, the temple was built by human hands. Then he came, Jesus Christ, the word of God, came from heaven and presented his presence in the form of Jesus Christ, in the flesh, prepared by God. In the Old Testament, God shows up once a year on the Day of Atonement in the most holy place between the Jeroboam. And that is where people can meet God through the high priest. Now, we see the glory of God on the face of Jesus Christ. That is 2 Corinthians 4.6. Christ has become the temple of God. Instead of built by human hand, God came down from heaven. And the Shekinah glory of God, where it used to appear in the tabernacle on the mercy seat once a year, is with Jesus all the time. Jesus had God's glory all the time with him because it is promised that his spirit would never leave his Christ. So Jesus Christ has God's divine glory or the Shekinah glory all the time and it presented in his face, the glorious face of Jesus Christ. The word made flesh and dwelt among us. So the Lord Jesus Christ became the walking glory of God presented in our midst. Now can we see the glory of God? The difference between Jesus Christ and the ark Jesus Christ is the new ark, the ark from heaven. The difference is that the high priest was a man that ministered at the ark. And that man has to have the sacrificial offering to wash his sin for himself before he can come into the presence of God. Jesus Christ is both the sacrifice, the high priest, and the mercy seat. So he embodied all things necessary to be the presence of God. So he can be wherever he is at. He is both the sacrificial lamb, the high priest, 
and the mercy seat, all in the same body, in the same man. And wherever he goes, glory of God went with Jesus Christ. And how do we see God in the old days? We see God in the old days through the high priest went into the most holy place and he hears God speaking. That's how he knows that his sin and the sin of the people is forgiven. How do we know in the time of Jesus? How do we meet God in the time of Jesus? We hear Jesus, his own words, his own voice speaking to us. That's how we meet God in the flesh, by Jesus Christ speaking with us. Now, let's go from the time of Jesus to the time of the church. Jesus was killed on the cross. They thought they have killed the presence of God. More than 500 people witnessed his resurrection, showing that they have destroyed the temple and it could not be destroyed. And then he was resurrected. And when he was resurrected, the two things that happened when he was resurrected. Number one, he commissioned his people to go out. He said, I give you the authority. And number two, he sends his spirit. He said, wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. So those two things he given to us. The word that made flesh is now, you can say, proliferated, become our inheritance, become the seed. We talk about this. And that seed was planted and we are the product or we are the plants that rise out of those seeds. The word that was made flesh was destroyed by death, but that he rose again. And through the awesome power of God, we now can have this word in us. This, the voice of God became our inheritance. We now, instead of Jesus Christ, his mouth, his legs, his hand, walk this earth and talk and preach and teach the people, we now become the body in which God inhabits through the Holy Spirit, speaking, having this voice, given the voice and we gives our utterance to God. And we have become now the oracle of God. The word oracle here means an instrument in which God speaks through. And God is now in us by faith and the power that allows the interpretation between the spiritual thing and our voice is the Holy Spirit. Knows the heart of God, knows the deep things of God, interprets the will of God into a form that we human can understand. And when we speak, when our voice speak, we are speaking the deep mystery, the things of God, and that gives life to the hearer, the way that God speaks through the oracle of God. So now we are the voice of God. In the Old Testament, God spoke to Moses, and then Moses spoke to the people. There's the medium, a man in the middle who has access to God. God spoke to Moses, and then Moses translated that to the people. In the New Testament, God spoke through Christ. Jesus spoke the mind of God in his flesh. And that speaking, that voice of God is in Christ, is now in the church, in his body. The glory of God is on the face of Jesus, and we are the body which embodies the voice of God. The body is the church. The church of Jesus Christ has this voice. We need to formulate, or we need to be the oracle of God in which this voice can come out of us. The writer might have this voice for the characters in the story, but the writer's block is when he can't formulate, he can't give utterance to the voice in the story until he can give voices, give utterance or words to these voices. There's no story. So we, the oracle of God, we have the spirit of God and we have the voice of God in us. It is our responsibility to give utterances to this voice. Think about a speaker like me. Now there's a voice of God that's in me, but I need to formulate this voice in such a way that I can speak it. 
I need to speak the language. I need to understand the way that we communicate. And then most importantly, the Holy Spirit has to work within me to translate whatever God wants to communicate with the people into a language that I can speak. And now when all that is working, I am now the oracle of God. Each one of us, we are called to do that. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. The word of God is all wisdom. In Proverbs, wisdom was with God in the beginning, and by wisdom, God created all things. What is wisdom? The Jews would tell you wisdom is the Torah. God used the Torah to create everything. But we know, and by the teaching of Christ, Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. And by Jesus Christ, by that wisdom, everything is created. Let the word of Christ dwell in you in all wisdom. God's word in us is called wisdom. Teaching, admonishing one another in psalm, hymn, spiritual song, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. All these manifestations are these modes that we use so that the wisdom of God or the word of God can come out of us. will give life to the hearer. The body of Christ contains the living word. When Christians come together to sing, praise, read, teach, and preach Christ, the glory of God fills the church. So by faith, the reason why I'm doing this is that when the word of God comes out of this oracle, the life of Jesus Christ is here. The glory of God fills this room and inhabits the hearer, those who are participating in worship today. What is the oracle? I mentioned two things. Jesus Christ gave us his commission so he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, go. What he's saying is that I'm giving you my name. I'm giving you the authority to operate in my name. That's what Jesus Christ says. And then he said, wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit come upon you and then will clothe you with power to do what? To preach me, to preach the kingdom of God throughout Judea, Samaria. So the two things, Jesus Christ, the word of God in Greek, the word means logos. Lego is the root for logos. It is the foundation building block of everything. It's called Lego. And then logos is logic. It's word. And then derivative of logos is called logion. Uh, logion is utterance. So we see the foundation is Jesus Christ, Lego. The word is logos, it's logic, it's in us. So the foundation, there's logic, there's word, and then there is the utterance. So there's a voice and we need to bring that voice out. Logion is the utterance. The way that we bring that voice out is by the Holy Spirit. Presenting God's will. The oracle is the way that we, that men understand what is the meaning of God. We have access to divine wisdom which is the Lord Jesus Christ. We have access to the word. The Holy Spirit works with this word in us, in each one of us. And we need to, we need to give utterance to the voice that's in us, to the voice that's here. The oracle has prepared in the house within to set there an ark of covenant of the Lord. In the Old Testament, the oracle was on the ark of covenant. That, that is in 1 Kings 6, 19, I just read in the tabernacle, the oracle was the Ark of Covenant. That's where God spoke. When the priest wants to hear God's voice, he needs to be at looking at the mercy seat to hear God's voice, the place where God spoke with the people. The incarnation, the coming into the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ, brought the oracle of God in the person of Jesus Christ. What he said, what he spoke, was God's thoughts and God's will. Now, in the New Testament, in the church age, we need to hear the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to hear him. 
because hearing Christ is, is having life. God has commanded on Mount Tabor that we should hear his son. Peter just got up and groggy. It seems to be something that very Peter liked to do. Right? Remember, he's on the roof and he was fasting and he was groggy and he was you know, not sure whether he's in a dream or he saw something in real life. He saw sheets coming down from heaven and animals. You know, it seems like a Peter thing to do, to be kind of groggy. You wake up and you saw three men. And you go, hey, Lord, it would be fascinating to, to be there with Peter to see what he's like. Make three tabernacles. Uh, allusion to the Old Testament where Moses, oh, we must make a tabernacle for Moses. You know, Moses need a tabernacle. Matthew chapter 7, verse 29. <clears throat> for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. The Lord Jesus Christ being the oracle of God, being the voice of God. When Jesus Christ spoke, when he walked to death, he spoke and there was an inherent authority in his voice. Even people who did not like him listened to him and they respected him because there was an inherent authority in Jesus Christ. It was the voice of God that they were hearing. We know that Jesus Christ, his son, God's son, when he spoke, it was God speaking. Whether or not you agree with him or not, when you hear him, this authority, this heavenly divine authority in Jesus' voice. And that's why God says, hear him, listen to him. Now stop speaking, stop coming up with your ideas, your own ideas, listen to my son. That's what God is saying. And we need to listen to Christ. Christ traveled throughout Judea, preaching, teaching the doctrine of God. He expounded what God's will was. He taught people to pray. He taught people how to read and interpret the Bible. On the road to Emmaus, he walked with the two friends and he interpreted, he taught them to interpret the Old Testament that spoke about the Messiah. So, uh, Jesus' life was this, he was the great teacher. That's why we call him the great teacher, because he taught. He taught the people how to hear God's voice. And we need this skill, because when he was taken up into heaven, we are left with this teaching and this voice of God that we need to bring forth through our utterance and become the oracles of God. The kingdom of God is not in word, meaning in audible words, but the kingdom of God is in power. It is the power that is behind the words that we hear to heal the sick, to cleanse the leper, to raise the dead, to cast out devils. That's what the voice of Jesus Christ did, Matthew 10, 8. But Jesus Christ is risen and is at the right hand of God, so how can we hear him today? How can we hear Jesus Christ? The Spirit of God. So God has commissioned us, given us his voice, given us his authority, given us his name. In my name, you shall do all these things. And he has given us this authority. That is the word, we have his word. He gave us the Holy Spirit, which is the interpreter or the teacher and the one who brings the word in, in us to life. 1 Corinthians 2, 11. The things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. We don't know the things of God. We might know the words. We might know historically the historical Jesus. We know what he spoke, what he said. We know the teaching of the apostles. But to know the things of God, meaning to interpret these things, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit of God. Because... The things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. The Holy Ghost holds God's mystery and he reveals it to those who believe in Jesus Christ. So we receive this interpretation by the Holy Spirit through our faith. The revelation of God's will through the Holy Spirit is by teaching. The Holy Spirit is given to us as the teacher. He leads us into all things spiritual. He helps us to pray in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. When we don't know what we ought to pray for, the Holy Spirit gives us the utterance. He gives life to the scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16. The Holy Spirit brings life out of the scripture. He reveals the deep things of God, 1 Corinthians 2.10.
And lastly, in John 14, 26, he teaches us all things. Just think about this. Jesus Christ has commissioned the Holy Spirit or endowed us with the Holy Spirit so that he teaches us all things, everything that we need. The Holy Spirit teaches us to become the oracle of God, to give us the utterance so that we can speak. The word of God remains in us until we give utterance to this voice, then it becomes life. The word of God inside of us, it gives no life to anyone until we give utterance to that voice in the form of words and speech. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 20, For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. The Holy Spirit given to us so that through this vessel, through this oracle, the Holy Spirit speaks through us. Does that mean that we are possessed by the Holy Spirit? I would say yes. If you are speaking by the Holy Spirit, then you are possessed by the Holy Spirit, meaning we speak by the authority and by the will of the Holy Spirit. Not with the human will, but the will of God, the Holy Spirit, speaketh through us. We have been given the Spirit of God through the promise of Jesus Christ. That's why I mean by if you believe that you have received the Spirit of God. It's only through faith. It's not because we feel this tingling in the depth of our bowels that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. No, we receive it by faith. It is only by faith that we receive the promise of God. How do you receive this promise? By believing in the word of Jesus Christ. He said, wait for me. Wait until the Holy Spirit come upon you. That's what he said. Now, if we don't believe, then we won't wait. 120 people waited for him in that upper room until the Holy Spirit come because they believe in his word. They believe what he said. That's what faith is. It's, it's simple. God has entrusted his word to us, and we are to speak as the oracles of God. 1 Peter 4.11. Peter says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If not, don't say anything at all. If any man minister, let him do it as one the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter is telling the church, if you speak, be the oracle of God. Let the Holy Spirit use you and speak and give utterance to the voice of Jesus Christ that is in us. We are called to be the oracles of God. We need to speak in a way, and Peter clarified this, in a way that it gives God's glory through Jesus Christ. When we speak, Jesus Christ has to be glorified. God has to be glorified through what we say, what we speak. That is our responsibility, to be the oracle, to be the logion of God, to speak the logos, to speak the word of God. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. The Holy Spirit teaches us the mystery of God through the scripture, and we, as the oracle of God, give utterance to this mystery. And when people hear, there are times when I, even when I stand here and I speak, and after I speak, I don't know what I said. I just have to believe that the Holy Spirit used me as a vessel in which to communicate to the church of God. We offer ourselves as vessels to God so that he will use us. Interestingly, Paul says this, you might say that I am someone who's weak in speech. That's what the Apostle Paul says. You think that I might be weak in speech, and indeed I am. And then he said this. He said, but I do not lack in God's power. I can't imagine the Apostle Paul being weak in speech. But he viewed himself as someone who is weak, who is insufficient in the way that he can communicate to people. But he said that his words is not, because the words that he spoke was from the Holy Spirit. Don't think that you have to be a great orator or you have to be a great communicator for God to speak through you. Think about Moses. He said, God, use someone else. I, I have a stutter. I, I can't speak to your people. Use someone else. And eventually God said, okay, fine. I'll use Aaron. 
in the biblical history, we see that God uses people who very small of themselves, but God used them for the glory of his power. The utterance of this mystery is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we might think that the gospel is something that is trivial. When I say gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for your sin. He was crucified. He was buried. On the third day, he rose again. The Apostle Paul says, to the Greek, it's foolishness, and to the Jew, it's a stumbling block. But to us, it is the power of God. That is the gospel. Now, is that something of a mystery? It is a mystery to those who do not believe. But it is not a mystery to those who have the Spirit of God. And we are agents of God to expound this mystery to the hearers. As for me, that the utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Even the Apostle Paul has a problem. In his flesh, he says, when I say this, you might think of me as someone who is a barbarian. Now think about it. The Apostle Paul is a learned man. He is a Pharisee. He's not someone who is barbaric in speech or in thought. He, he's a debater. He's an orator. But he said, the mystery is the gospel. It's not in the language itself, but is the mystery of the power of God that's hidden in the gospel that needs to be give voice, give utterance to this voice. When it comes out, it will save those who believe. And that is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As for me, that utterance may be given unto me. That is what the Holy Spirit does to us. And I, I pray, I hope that each one of us is given the utterance by, by the Holy Spirit that we will speak the mystery boldly. The oracle of God is an instrument that the Holy Spirit uses to reveal the mystery of the gospel unto man. So we have an obligation, we have a mandate. When someone comes to the oracle, the oracle has to tell the hidden things. We are the oracles of God, and we have a responsibility to tell the mystery, the kingdom of God, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's our responsibility. Now, our part, we need to learn. We need to become familiar with the voice of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to the oracle and the oracle is like scratching, he says like, well, I don't understand. The reason why we don't understand the Holy Spirit, the reason why we don't have the power of God, the interpretation of the Holy Spirit is because we are insufficient at our learning the word of God. See, the Holy Spirit works when we have this word in us when we have the familiarity of, with the Word of God, then the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit doesn't teach us how to read. We need to teach ourselves how to read. We need to spend time in the Word and have the familiarity with the Word and have the tools that we can use so that when the Holy Spirit comes... Now, if you're not studying, for example, then the Holy Spirit cannot teach you. We have to sit down, we have to study, we have to pray, then the Holy Spirit can come and shed the light or study. While you are playing game, having your headset on, and you are shooting away, and somehow the Holy Spirit starts interjecting your gameplay experience with the, the interpretation of the mystery of the kingdom of heaven, it doesn't happen that way. You got to be in the Word of God, studying the Word of God, then the Holy Spirit comes and make that Word real and alive to us. And we as oracles have, uh, have that responsibility. We need to study. The church has been entrusted with this great mystery and mandate that we've been commissioned by Christ to go into all the world. That's our responsibility. And preach the gospel to all creatures, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's our commission. That's our mandate. Our responsibility today is to study the gospel, to study the scripture, and then the Holy Spirit will come as promised. Christ promised. He, he does not lie. And he will interpret this word to us. And when you speak, the, even the Apostle Paul says he might look at himself as someone who is not adequate in speaking this great mystery, but he said, may the Holy Spirit give me utterance that I will speak the word of God boldly. And that's what I pray for each one of us, so that the Holy Spirit use us to speak boldly and be the oracles of God. 
Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you have commissioned the church to do and to be. May each one of us come to respect your word, come to respect the text that we read. And I pray, Holy Spirit, would you shine your divine interpretation and light on the mystery of those things that are hidden in your word, that we would become responsible for those things that you have revealed to us and that we would have the utterance that you have given to us to speak the word and to become the faithful ministers and oracles of the word of God. And I pray, Father, that you give us the boldness that you have given to the apostles in day past, that uh, we become not just those that regurgitate the things that we, we see and hear, but that the Holy Spirit would give fresh new insights into the mystery of your gospel of the kingdom of heaven that when people who listen to us to the word being expounded they might come to know who you are they might come to know your will they might come to know life and have eternal life in the name of jesus i